Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work. So get a quote at Geico.com. Easy. And before we get started, I got a quick question for you. Did you put Christmas on a credit card? One of the big challenges that American families are dealing with every single year. I read a study a couple of years back that said the average family spends six or seven months trying to pay off the credit card debt they racked up over the Christmas holiday. But what if there was a better way to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments? Here's something to think about. The money you borrow on your credit cards is the most expensive money you've borrowed yet. We're talking interest rates, 19, 21, 28%. You would never consider getting an interest rate like that on your house or car. Why is it okay on your credit cards? It's not, it's silly. You're throwing away your own money. There is a faster, cheaper, better way to get out of debt. It's savewithconrad.com. Now, as a reminder, the interest you pay on your mortgage, well, that's tax deductible, but the interest you're paying to Visa or MasterCard or Discover or American Express, dude, you're just throwing all that away. Keep more of your own money and get out of debt right now at savewithconrad.com. Yes, you're going to get a better rate. Yes, you're going to get a greater tax deduction. And most importantly, yes, you're going to get a cheaper monthly payment. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And now is the time to do this. We've got better rates than we've ever had before, but I don't know how long this will last. It could all end tomorrow. Don't get stuck making minimum payments. Go ahead and hit the reset button. And oh, by the way, get the best interest rate on a mortgage you've ever had. You see, once you've obligated yourself to your existing mortgage and this credit card debt, it's up to you how you pay it back. It's your debt now, and now it's something you got to deal with. Well, doesn't it make sense to get the best rate and the cheapest monthly payment possible? Doesn't it make sense to pay your house off as fast as possible with the cheapest monthly payments? A lot of our listeners have converted their 30-year loan down to just 15 years. And if you want to get rid of your credit card debt, if you want to pay your house off in half the time, you can do it right now at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And man, if I can't save you some cash, I won't waste your time. First family mortgage is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. It's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's right. You don't have to make your January or your February payment. You're done until March 1st. We're licensed in more than 40 states. What are you waiting for? Go to savewithconrad.com right now. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Steven Singer, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Well, Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. And don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he recently kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning. 
gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to, I hate Steven singer.com fast, free and safe shipping. It's Steven singer jewelers. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Happy new year and welcome to another something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Man, here are the dogs. Oh, baby. You, uh, you have a little new year's Eve drinky, (sighs) drinky poo. Is that the plan? You know, I'm going to give you guys a pro tip here. A little bit of advice. And I'm sure I'm going to catch a lot of shit for this. Yep. Don't drink draft beer. What? Even if it's your favorite. Draft beer has too much air and bubbles and shit that fucking get in there and fuck with your psyche. And then the next day you feel like shit. Well, I got to tell you, I, uh, I'm more of a can guy. You know that about me. I know you like the bottle. bottle. I like the cans. You know why I like the cans, by the way? Why do you like the cans? You can stomp them throw them in the trash can fit more in there. There's glass involved. Can't use a compactor. It's going to take up more volume. I just think, uh, I think cans are the way to go. See, I, I will even go back to my days of like, you know, 15, 16 years old at the beach and having to drink a Michelob in a bottle. Well, all the rest of the kids are drinking Pearl and, uh, generic just says beer. I was drinking Michelob in a goddamn bottle. That's just the way I roll. Even then. Well, we're, uh, we're going to be talking about how you roll today because we're talking about, uh, a pretty crazy idea. It's a January 1st edition of Monday night raw from 2007. It's at the American airlines arena. It's a big deal. It's Kevin Federline on raw. I can't believe that this is something we're going to talk about. It seems like it should have never happened. I can't wait to bust your balls about it. But before we get into all that, we should talk about the tragedy that befell the wrestling world way too soon. We lost Luke Harper, AKA Brody Lee. He was one of our first supporters on this show, Bruce, way back when in 2016, uh, one of the first guys to follow us and send us some DMS and, uh, get some, something to wrestle swag and just one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. And the internet was just overtaken with one powerful tribute after another from everyone who knew him. And, uh, I know he played, he was wearing another Jersey when he passed away, but he was a hell of a guy, dude. Yeah, he really was. Um, I think that as you go through and you read everything and sometimes when we lose someone that we really adore, that you feel a lot of the tributes are glamorized and, and what have you. I, I think that everyone pretty much captured the essence of who Luke Harper was. And, and he was a down to earth guy, one of the nicest human beings you would ever meet in your life. But in the very short time that I knew him and that I had the opportunity to interact with him, one thing that always rang true was good Lord, the love of his family, uh, of his kids and his wife. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you hear that and you say that, but this was a 
guy that just was as genuine as genuine got and was a super, super nice guy. And uh, it's just sad and very tragic. And hearts go out to his family and, and wish them all the best and know it's going to be a, a tough road for everyone. I, uh, I can't recommend enough that you go out of your way to, to see some of the tributes that have been posted in the main air this week. What a great guy. Uh, as much as we got to know him, you know, on camera, what we hear about him behind the scenes, is just really a remarkable human being. And I look forward to, uh, to learning more about his life because it feels like by the day, uh, the tributes just continue to pile up. So Godspeed to him. And, and of course, thoughts and prayers with his whole family and congratulations on some special tributes that we got to see this week. Um, gosh, you just never imagine that you're going to have this type of conversation about a guy who's 41 years old. Uh, another way too young, way, too, just young. way too young. Uh, another piece of sad news I want to touch on before we move on. Danny Hodge passed away as well. Uh, Danny Hodge is somebody you probably looked up to a lot as a youngster as well. Danny Hodge, I got to travel with Danny in Arkansas for a few days when Danny would come in to do Mid-South television, and I'd never met Danny until then. Um, when you say legend, a lot of people will use that term. Oh, this person's a legend. Danny Hodge was a larger-than-life legend, and Danny Hodge, during his heyday, was the greatest wrestler in the world amateur professional um no one could beat danny hodge and danny was a unique personality uh he tiger you know had a little bit of stew heart in him um but danny had had this grip that was unbelievable and sometimes when guys would would want Danny to do it danny didn't i don't think that danny took a great deal of of didn't have a lot of joy in doing it, but at the same time, he had a very sick sense of joy when he would squeeze someone's hand with a vice grip that uh, would bring them to their knees. Danny would squeeze apples like just like they were nothing and juice the apples with his hands and break pliers with his grip and just uh, a pioneer. And when you talk about guys in the business that were not the biggest people in the world, Danny was a junior heavyweight, but Danny could bring any heavyweight to his knees. And, uh, another one that just a wonderful human being, wonderful man that I'm very fortunate that I got to spend some time with and, and be around and, and learn from Danny was, Danny was a unique character for sure. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life 
or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. If you're a younger fan and maybe you don't know a lot about Danny Hodge, let me recommend that you just throw this in your Google machine. Danny Hodge Apple. If you just look that up and watch a video, you will not believe what you're about to see. Uh, this is superhuman strength from someone that outwardly, when you just take a look, you think nah, this isn't going to happen. And then it does go out of your way to, uh, take a look and, and learn a little bit about Danny Hodge, but let's, uh, let's table that for now. And, and let's talk about, I can't believe this is real. January 1st, 2007 in Miami, there's 15,000 fans here watching the old USA network. And it's not just any old episode of raw it's raw is Federline. I can't believe this is real, but John Cena is going to be taking on Britney Spears. Then freeloading husband, Kevin Federline. Well, now hang on. <laughs> why, why would you call someone that you've never met that you know nothing about a freeloader? Well, first of all, Britney Spears in 1999 became a megastar, and then she went a little crazy and became don't the, we all the, yeah. She became a huge icon in, in the music industry, pop music, my goodness, worldwide tours, household name, blah, blah, blah. Then she goes a little crazy and becomes like the queen of TMZ. And I can only imagine being that popular and that famous and that wealthy, that young talk about too much too soon. It's been written a million times, but then she apparently falls in love with a backup dancer on her troop. And his name is Kevin. And then all of the sudden he becomes an overnight TMZ reality-based superstar. And I can't believe this is real. He's here on Monday night. Raw. We're going to talk about it. Um, let's One talk of the biggest stars in the world. Everyone knew his name. He was a household name. Lots to unpack here. We're going to start at the beginning before we do though. I want to talk about some news and notes surrounding the company at the time. Claudio Castagnoli, this is according to the torch was fired by WWE before he even started. He spoke out on his MySpace page about his U S residency status. Castagnoli said he has a permanent residency card and a social security number, which allows him to work legally in the States. The main point of contention that led to his firing was reportedly due to the status of his worker visa. He said, quote, there was, and is nothing wrong with my visa or residential status. And he criticized reports that said otherwise, of course, these days we know Claudio as Cesaro Cesaro was a guy who had certainly built quite the reputation for himself in 04, five and six, uh, across the independence here, uh, in America and abroad. But what do you remember about these initial sort of circumstances surrounding him playing hokey pokey, I guess, with the company he's in, he's out. Yeah. I, Never, ever heard anything about it. So, you know, I remember him uh, back in the day, and it was uh, Claudio and Seth that were doing stuff, I guess, at Raw. And um, other than other than that, and other than I know there was interest at one point in Claudio, I, I don't remember this at all. Wait, did you see his stuff in... Or were you just hearing about it? No, I saw, I saw their stuff, you know, back then. And I think Daniel Bryan was there. Uh, yeah. 
uh, Nigel, yeah, Nigel McGuinness and, and those guys. And, and yeah, they, they were all hardworking and, uh, Claudio had something about him that was, he was a big bastard and Claudio stood out because he was so big, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely saw their work back then, but I don't, yeah, I don't remember him getting hired and fired. I've been hired and fired before a couple times. I know this sounds silly, but back in this era, who would have been working with talent to figure out their, you know, resident status here. So if you, if you're an independent talent coming from across the pond and you want to work here, obviously you've got to have certain citizenship paperwork in order. Who would have been helping the company with stuff like that? Well, I, I would assume that would fall under talent relations. And I think John was in charge of talent relations at the time. There we go. Speaking of John. I could. Well, I saw him in the U.S. He got, he's got to be here legally, right? How would he have gotten here? I didn't bring him in. He looks American. Yeah. WWE.com reported that New Japan and WWE officials met at the offices last Thursday. From the article, quote, During the brief cordial meeting, both sides discussed possible business ventures in the future between WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling, the largest wrestling promotion in Japan. Uh, Wade would say this boils down to John Laurinaitis having connections with the New Japan office and uh, Simon Inoki following up on his meeting with Laurinaitis that covered or occurred several months ago. There had been two previous face-to-face meetings between the two sides, one at the WWE's offices and the other at an NWA show this summer in California. Earlier this year, TNA and New Japan had a working agreement that included some appearances by Tanahashi and Jushin Liger, but that relationship has now all but dissolved. And there were several instances of miscommunication, and after the headaches of dealing with international travel issues with the World X Cup, TNA just stopped working with international promotions for pay-per-views for the time being. So now the door's open for WWE and new Japan to continue an informal talk. And supposedly both sides are talking several times per week, but it's usually just comparing notes and not necessarily discussing a formal agreement. Uh, Simon Inoki, who's the president of new Japan, not Antonio Inoki is trying to establish the company's brand name overseas. And they went to Italy, which is a crazy hotbed for wrestling at the time. And in 2005, they were working with WWE on trying to create an audience to promote the brand wrestlers and product lines. Of course, the WWE at this point was in virtually every country that had TV, uh, but new Japan is trying to grow their footprint in the United States and Canada, but 125 other countries too. What do you remember about these or hearing? Maybe you weren't involved in these meetings with new Japan here in 2007. And why did nothing really ever come of it. There always seemed to be rumblings with different promotions in Japan, whether it be new Japan, all Japan. Um, we did stuff with, uh, Onita's group, FMW, uh, you know, different times, different companies. And they would always, the motive operandi usually would be the Japanese companies wanting to do a large co-promotion show and bring in WWE stars to work with their stars and things of that nature. Um, that was usually the gist of it. You know, at this time, I'm sure there was always the trade involved. Okay. Hey, uh, we want to send you go back in, in the history going back to the sixties of when 
the promotions would send talent over, young boys over to the states to work in the territories and learn how to work. And then they would go back to Japan and, and the publicity from them working in the states would make them huge stars in Japan. Look at this international stars. Oh my God, he dominated um, wrestling and Amarillo and the funks and blah, 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 blah. But that was how they learned. Uh, not a bad system because they would send their young boys and people that they had in their dojos that they felt had promise. Look, Anoki did it. Baba did it. You name every top wrestler uh, in Japan, most of them had a run and had a stint somewhere in the United States. Uh, during this time, that was always that was always the way to do it. Hey, we want to send you someone and let them work. A lot of times they didn't care if they worked on top or not. Obviously, they would have preferred that they work with top guys so that the illusion and what the press, Japanese press put out was, oh, my God, they're huge stars. You didn't have the internet you did in 2007, yes, but you didn't have the internet back in the day that would be able to print everything and say, oh my God, this is uh, what the hell's going on here. So I'm sure it was just another one of those exchanges and how can we work together? That whole concept of sending a wrestler over here to sort of get experience and work with you know new audiences and new stars, they called that excursion, right? They're going to go on excursion. I called it a trade. I don't know. I do just trade. Hey, we're going to trade you this. I'm going to trade you three Jeff Hardy's for four Mudas. Hey, let me, let me ask you mentioned, uh, Onita earlier. I'm sure we'll talk about this more in great detail, but it blew my fucking mind to see Onita shaking hands with Vince McMahon in Titan towers. And I don't know why, but I just see what Onita did in FMW. And I'm like, wait a minute. How in the world would Vince have a meeting with that guy? Do you remember how that came about? I mean, th did Vince have any idea that this guy's running around blowing himself up on, on big shows? Yeah, that was, uh, at the time that was, uh, loosely the premise, uh, that Onita wanted to, Onita was floating out there that he was selling, having a bomb match in, in the United States. That was not what the the meeting was about for us and it was just to do something with onita we did some stuff with shamrock and uh vader with onita's group and victor quinones did an awful lot with onita's group and he also did worked with us as well so this was an opportunity for onita to, to come over and see hey is there a way to to work together could we do something and oh by the way have you ever seen this bomb match uh which was absolutely uh, other than the King of the Hill match, one of the silliest, stupidest things I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. 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 I saw them both live and trust me live. It's brutal. Hey man, what are you doing? What's taking so long? Seriously. Just ask Philip up in Minnesota. We hooked him up at SaveWithConrad.com. He gave us a five-star review and he had this to say. Jimmy and Jen provided outstanding customer service. Admittedly, I was skeptical, but I was amazed. Highly recommended. And how about this? Check this one out from Kenneth. He's over in Louisiana. He gave us a five-star review and says the entire process was simple and your team took care of everything. 
will definitely recommend to anyone. Let's keep the hits going. What about Christopher up in Ohio? He says, after dealing with Stu, Clint, and everyone at First Family Mortgage, I couldn't help but ask myself, why did I wait so long? The process to refinance my house cut five years worth of payments and interest off of my existing mortgage, and it was stress-free. There was no pressure from Stu and the team, but they were available if I had any questions or concerns. I can't recommend First Family Mortgage enough. These are listeners just like you all over the country who've heard me bragging about how we can help your family save some cash and they rolled the dice and it paid off. We can help you save some cash too. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, but with rates as low as they are right now, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much. If you're in a 30 year loan, I can save you tens of thousands of dollars. If you've got credit card debt, I can save you hundreds of dollars a month. And how about this? You can even skip your next two house payments. How much money can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. That's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And you heard the part about skipping two payments, right? We're talking no payments in January or in February. You're done until March 1st. And come March 1st, you're going to have a better mortgage. Check it out right now at savewithconrad.com. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing too, because having a home is hard work. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. Geico.com. Easy. Observers say Sean Michaels appears to be long overdue for time off as the grueling schedule has finally caught up to him physically. The long overseas flights are particularly tough on his lower back. He does not take any pain pills while he's not masking injuries and causing more harm. He doesn't enjoy many pain-free days either to help him get through the grind backstage at raw on Monday. He appeared to be moving fine. So his on-air limp during the edge Orton promo was for show. The injury to Hunter puts additional pressure on Michaels to continue performing full-time as WWE is short on top acts with experience. This second run of Shawn Michaels almost seems like it was a gift. Maybe the company wasn't expecting, but did you start to feel like, man, we're starting to wind down here in late 06, early 07 with Sean? You know, I, I gotta tell you, there were, there were times all throughout it from the second week of Sean returning when he did that we were thinking, oh, okay, how long is this going to be able to last? How long are we going to be able to do this? Right. So every, every day in many respects was a gift that, okay, man, he, he's doing all right. But Sean, the more that he worked a lot of times, the, the more he felt like, okay, I can do this a little while longer. It's when you stop working, right. you're not working as much that it's harder to get back into the swing of things and get back into the groove of things. So you would have periodically these times where Sean was hurting and he was, he had had a, an awful lot of wear and tear on his body and his body was paying the price. Let's, uh, let's talk about John Cena. He's in a subway commercial with your boy, Jared Fogle. And it airs during the Sunday slate of NFL games during the first week of January here, obviously at the time. Jared was the spokesperson for subway. We know these days he's, uh, at the crossbar motel, but having John Cena in a national ad campaign here in early 07, uh, we're heading in the right direction, right? Yes, we are. And subway, a huge, huge international brand that, um, looking for the right talent, 
Uh, obviously, Jared was not it, as they would find out later. But uh, big that's a big deal yes, uh, for somebody John, like John Cena. And as you say, uh, there you go. It's step one, and he's on his way. Is this a uh, sort of all-hands-on-deck initiative? I'm not saying that to be funny, but in terms of if you really want to make a star, out of one of the guys and he needs to be a, a mainstream star, if you will, not just a star on Mondays or Thursdays or whatever, but in just the pop culture, it really takes a concerted effort by the whole company to look for these opportunities, right? It does definitely. And it takes, you know, an effort to be able to look at the entire roster as well as to see who's going to fit into what. Um, you got a lot of, you know, you have a brand and then you've got a lot of brands within that brand that you need to place in certain areas that make sense. So yes, to be able to, when you have a hot talent, you have someone that is in high demand, then you're look you're looking for things for them. And it, it takes a village. Definitely. Does that mean perhaps that when you're looking for the, to make a guy like this, that if other opportunities come through for perhaps another performer, you try to see if you can fit it for that guy. I don't, it depends on what the opportunity is and it depends on, you know, if it makes sense for them. So you wouldn't want an undertaker to be doing something for pistachios. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but, but at the same time, maybe he could. So it just depends and it all, and it all really depends on what the requirements are from the advertiser and what they need, because a lot of times they need spokesmen to be able to go out and do things for them as well. So it's a total promotion that you have to look at and say, where does this fit and who does this fit the best? I've always been fascinated by the undertaker character in that. Yes, it is special to everyone who is a wrestling fan, but to a non wrestling fan, it's probably not something that you could really market that well to advertisers, right? Like, Hey, we've got this big, tall, scary dead guy covered in tattoos and man, we'd love to see what he could do for your new paper towels. Right. I mean, exactly. So it, it really is. And sometimes the, I think the weirdest thing with undertaker was we do a lot with make a wish. Right. And when a make a wish would have their last, wish, oh, no. I would like to meet the undertaker. Yeah. And Taker was one of those guys that that took that on so well because man, that's that's weird and that's tough. But to this child, and the one thing that they want to do, they have a deadly disease. They want to meet the Undertaker, right? And when you say it out loud, it's like, oh, what the fuck, right? But. Taker would walk in and own it, uh, was just so fucking good with those kids that made him feel special. And there was nothing weird about it. You know what I mean? Right. But they wanted to take pictures like with the urn. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's, it's so sad and so sweet all at the same time that these, uh, yeah, it's weird because they're characters that maybe the child doesn't even understand the, the right. whole, the whole thing, but yeah, it was weird. So I guess one of the questions is if you know, you've got this really loyal soldier like this in the undertaker, 
and you know, he's essentially a lifer. He's never leaving. He's never jumping ship. He's here. Is there consideration to trying to tinker with the character? I mean, I guess what I'm asking is when you tinker and you, and he becomes the American badass, do you think, well, perhaps this will op- open up more outside opportunities as well? I wish more outside opportunities were opened up just in general yeah. for everybody. And I don't know that advertisers and, uh, companies have utilized the way that they could have. Um, so, you know, to that, I just say that that's a two way street. Yes. We would have loved to have had a lot of people out there and it just depends on who the advertiser is and how much interaction that they want. A lot of people that, w- that want to advertise with you, but don't necessarily want you to endorse them. That makes sense. Yeah. They want to run their commercial on your show, but not necessarily have the undertaker eating Skittles. Right. I got you. Let's talk about, uh, Kurt angle. Um, Wade would write WWE took its first public shot at Kurt angle. After he left the company three months ago in the most recent WWE magazine angle is awarded the good riddance award from the article. What's the best way to reinvent yourself? Just walk out at the peak of your career. It worked wonders for Lex Luger and Randy Savage. Dude, what the fuck? This isn't cool. Well, it also wasn't cool the way that Kurt left the company at the time either. So I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, but the way that Kurt left was was not cool as well. And I, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not a big fan of, of doing that, but sometimes it happens. You're not a big fan of writing an article like this. You mean? Correct. Yeah. It just feels like it makes it. I don't know. It's unnecessary. Um, here's the other question, I guess. Do you think you would have written that? I mean, clearly the answer is no. If he doesn't show up on TNA, there's no way that gets published. Right. If he just goes home, you're not going to pound on him. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I think that probably showing up on TNA was fueled that fire. I, I know you don't probably know who would have been handling the magazine here in late 06, early 07, but I have, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I didn't ask, but I guess my question is before whomever that was, would they have had to run that up the flagpole to get approval? Or is that one of those, you know, ask forgiveness, not permission type deals. Do you think it would really depend on what it was? And, and sometimes it, sometimes it would be, and sometimes it would just be, Hey, we're going to do this and hear about it later. The wrestling observer was reporting that NBC universal asked Vince McMahon to incorporate Donald Trump into their TV storylines to help publicize the new season of the apprentice. And, uh, it's speculated on here that it could culminate in a McMahon versus Trump angle on TV or pay-per-view in coming weeks. But this is really the beginning of the battle of the billionaires. I guess I didn't realize, but I should have thought about it a little more. That wasn't necessarily a WWE idea. It's NBC universals, right? Mm, a little bit of both. And you know, you go back in the relationship with, uh, Trump all the way back to 1988. Right. Um, so there has been a relationship since, since 1988 with Atlantic city and the convention center and Trump Plaza. And, and then again in 
89 and WrestleMania 7 with Marlon Maples and, and just different things like that. So there's always been an, uh, been an association. And the fact that, you know, we were working with NBC Universal and wanting to work closer with them, it was a natural fit. There's no better time to say I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Steven Singer, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Well, Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. And don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he recently kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. It's Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Let's keep it going here. Let's talk about uh, the business and how it's adjusting a little bit. Uh, hispanicbusiness.com runs an article on SmackDown being the highest rated English language show watched by Hispanics for the week of December 11th through the 17th SmackDown, uh, from the 16th drew a 4.9 rating amongst Spanish speaking viewers. The show was viewed in 574,000 Hispanic households representing 1 million viewers. NBC Sunday night football game came in second with a 4.5 rating followed by house medium and family guy. So let's process that you're beating Sunday night football house, medium family guy. Holy cow. You know, as someone who wasn't super hardcore paying attention to the wrestling business in January of 07, I knew that, oh, SmackDown's popular with Hispanic households, but I didn't know it was this popular. Well, again, you got to understand that it was available on broadcast television when it started out and you had, we did cater a lot because of, of UPN at the time that we had Eddie, we had a lot of Hispanic stars, but the availability of it at the time was something that created more of an audience. And it was something that, uh, that we did and Hey, it worked, but anytime that you have the availability of, of a bigger audience, it's all going to go up. Talk to me a little bit about why you think SmackDown was so popular with Hispanics relative to say raw. I think that the, first of all, originally, you know, you had Eddie you had Chavo, you had Ray and huge Hispanic names. And again, just going back to the original debut of the show being available on broadcast television versus cable cast, it was available across the air. Everybody could get it. You didn't have to have a, a cable subscription to get it. When Vince gets this, this insight and he sees that this is the case, 
does he think he needs to double down and, and really make sure that his best Hispanic stars are on SmackDown and not raw? I would think so. I would think that we definitely looked at it and said, Hey, we need to maybe move this along a little bit, but you have to be very careful about, you can't get into the bill Watts syndrome right? of, Oh my God, I lost a Hispanic star. So I need to replace him with any old Hispanic star. Cause all they want is a Hispanic star. Right. Right. That's not true. People want stars. They want people, they want stars, they want characters and it doesn't matter what their nationality is. However, if they do have someone that looks like them, that speaks like them, that they can relate to, then that's even better. But overall, you can't take a huge star for whatever reason and just replace them with someone of the same nationality because they're the same nationality. That won't work. So you have to just be very careful in presenting your product. And, and hey, if this is working, then continue to do what that is to make it work. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving here. The week before tonight's raw, we see an interview with Sylvester Stallone about his newest and what he says is his last Rocky movie. And, uh, (laughs) Sylvester Stallone then appeared on camera and Jerry Lawler set up an interview. Uh, Stallone talked about the Christian values behind the movie and the Rocky character. He said the movie is the final goodbye to the Rocky character. And he talks about working with Hulk Hogan on the Rocky three set and Lawler asked who would win boxer versus wrestler. If Rocky, the character were to take on Hulk Hogan and Stallone says Hogan would win easily. He said, wrestlers are powerful and fast and he has nothing but respect for wrestlers. And then Lawler asked Stallone about celebrities trying to wrestle with an example being Kevin Federline wrestling John Cena on new year's. And Stallone said Cena would beat Federline easily. And it's a death wish for any celebrity to get in the ring. This is kind of fun. I guess you got Rocky Balboa out here talking about your business and promoting his movie. Absolutely. And we had a lot, you know, this was a time because of Federline and he was a big star. He was a big name. Let me put it that way. He was a huge name an everyday name. People knew who Kevin Federline was because they knew who Britney Spears was. So people had a reaction and they had an opinion already formed, whether they had ever seen Kevin Federline or not um, on him. That's good because people cared one way or the other. And we were able to get a lot of celebrities and a lot of people that could comment on the Federline a whole deal with Cena because it was absurd. It was ridiculous. And people were talking about it, not just in our business everywhere. Right. Let's talk about K fed's first run. Although today's focus is January 1st, 2007. He actually appeared twice in October of 2006, incurring the wrath of John Cena. Uh, he appeared on the October 16th episode of Raw to promote his new rap album. That's right. Kevin is promoting his rap album on raw Cena interrupts and F use him. And he appears at cyber Sunday in 06 and costs John Cena, the world heavyweight championship in a match against King Booker. You've told us before on the show that K fed actually wound up being surprisingly easy to do business with. Can you talk about how this deal originally came together? Did he reach out to you guys or did someone reach out to him about, Hey man, why don't you come on and promote your new rap album? 
Well, K-Fed, you know, obviously was looking for any kind of promotion that he could get in a positive light. Um, and we're always looking for any kind of interaction that we can get with people that are popular at the time. K-Fed kind of fit both of those. In addition to that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make fun of him now, but uh, we got to use K-Fed because then we'll get Brittany. Think about it. If we use him and we're good with him now, we can get Brittany for Mania. Um, Brittany was never discussed. Brittany was not discussed up front. I think that there was a general feeling, and there definitely was a general feeling amongst those in creative that if we're good with Kevin and he likes it and it does positive things for him, then this is a great opportunity for maybe Brittany to show up in an event, um, make comments, and just on down the line, maybe get Brittany involved in something. Uh, so yeah, there was, there was that hat that you said, yeah, shit, man, maybe we can get Brittany at, at some point along the way, even if it was for a quick appearance on television, didn't give a shit, but K fed, I mean, man, everybody, everybody rolled their eyes at it. Everybody was like, Oh fuck. What are we going to do with this guy? This guy walks in with an entourage, like three guys and has his own dressing room. Um, but he wants to hang out in the hallway. He wants to hang out, go to catering. He's got, you know, spread in his dressing room and shit and is in awe of everything around him. Just absolute awe and couldn't have been more respectful. Couldn't have been nicer and cooperative in whatever you guys want to do, man. Uh, I'm, I'm up for anything. You name it. Fuck yeah, man. I'd be, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Just tell me what we want to do. I'm, he would just stare like, holy shit, not believing where he was. And was, I dare say, extremely intimidated about his surroundings. I love that you, uh, did the impression there and talked about Brittany. That's good stuff. Well, fuck. If Brittany came, maybe we could do a duet. Dude, dude, dude. So what's Cena's reaction to I'm doing what now? <laughs> Look, man, John's a pro. And I think John saw the exact same thing that everybody else saw was that this was going to be publicity and this was going to get people talking about things. Then when he met Kevin, it was like, okay, man, this guy's all right. He just was, you know, Kevin Federline. And I don't, for the life of me, I don't get how this guy got such of a bad reputation even beforehand. Cause when you meet him and you work with him and you're around him for more than 10 minutes, very charming guy, a genuinely nice guy, I think, but just not pretentious. Not, I'm not a big star. It's not like, do you know who my wife is? Nothing like that. He was just a guy that was basically living a dream right? and happy to do it and was willing to listen and just was so thankful to be accepted into this other world. So when I hear people like jump his shit about something, I go, yeah, that's just because you've never met him. You've never been around him. You don't know him and give him a break. He's a guy that's making a living and, he happened to be, get married to, you know, had a good gig dancing with Brittany. 
they end up married and he becomes a megastar overnight at this time for me the guy was all about you know kids and all about just uh, living his best life well i thought you know we should probably play a little bit from his hit single his first single off his debut album playing with fire uh so here we go In Portuguese, it means bring your ass on the floor and move it real fast. Yeah. I want to see a kitty with a little bit of titty. <laughs> want to know where I go when I'm in the city. Girl, don't you worry about all the dough because a cat is coming straight out of the nose. Ready to rock these shows on the Wario. Bring that Brazil booty on the floor. Yo, toy yo yo thing on me, baby. Toy yo 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 thing on me. Uh-huh, toy. Yo yo thing on me, baby. Toy yo yo thing on me, bitch. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I know all the hits. Yeah. That's that's a hit. Yeah. So here we go. The January first Raw features the long hyped match between John Cena and Kevin Federline. Hit on me, baby. I was just trying to do like the music underneath you. I, Toy, <laughs> you thing on me, baby. Yeah. Uh huh. You really and like this song. It means bring your ass on the floor. Want to know where I go when I'm in the city? shit you know you got that of course you got it you were able to pull it up right then boom do you own or rent your home sure you do and i bet it can be hard work but you know what's easy bundling policies with geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renters insurance along with your auto policy it's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home go to geico.com get a quote and see how much you could save it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. So here's the deal. We're having a little bit of fun with this. No doubt, but it's worth mentioning. It drew the highest rating since August 21st. WWE.com puts out an article, even bragging that this is the highest rating since the summer. It got a 3.9 rating. Uh, the five weeks leading up to this show had averaged 3.7. The five weeks prior to that had averaged a 3.6 back on August 21st. They did a 4.1. So this is the highest rating since August 21st. Somehow, believe it or not, the experiment worked. And by the way, it's not just the rating that really helps the company. It's the publicity. As you said, WWE generated considerable mainstream attention for last week's Kevin Federline victory in the opening match on raw and him taking an FU from Cena to close the show. A basic recap. Federline is a loser in music and relationships, but a winner in the ring. 
made the AP wires and the story was reported on local TV websites in most markets. The Washington post even ran a column on Federline's appearance on raw. Some websites presented their match as a legitimate contest different from the staged conflict in October, where Cena gave Federline the FU. The website monsters and critics quoted the end of Federline's promo on raw hyping his match against Cena, where he explained why he believed he could beat Cena. The website said Federline took part in some staged WWE fights this autumn as he was body slammed in a staged fight against Cena in October. They listed Cena's height and weight as 611 and 240 pounds. And the same story was reprinted with Cena's incorrect height. Of course, eventually everyone realizes, no, he's 6'1", not 6'11". But this gets some mainstream buzz. And I guess this is, you know, the TMZ era we're living in at this point, right? Yeah, it was. Got some huge buzz because everybody loved to diss on Kevin Federline. And whether they they were dissing him or, or whatever the hell they were doing, they were talking about him. Everybody and now they were talking about us. Everybody is talking about him. MTV wrote Kevin Federline may have been an undisputed loser on the billboard album charts and the concert box office in 2006, but Britney Spears soon to be ex-husband started off 07 with a bottle of champagne and a cigar in the winter circle on Monday night, prevailing in his first official match as a wrestler in the opening contest of WWE's Monday night raw program. Federline pinned the champ John Cena for a three count. And of course, at the end of the article, there's a little blurb promoting the new year's revolution pay-per-view with Cena and Umaga. So that's what you want. MSNBC says Kevin, Kevin Federline, the soon to be ex-husband of singer, Britney Spears started the new year off with a new career and perhaps a few new aches and pains. ABC news details the entire article with the basics of a match. He says, uh, like the cockroach, he won't just go away clad in an oversized black and silver boxing robe and booed mercilessly by a crowd of more than 15,000 at the American airlines arena in Miami Federline, who embodies what late great wrestling legend, classic classy, Freddie Blassie called a pencil neck geek insisted on being introduced as a celebrated recording artist, dancer par excellence, and an entertainment mogul. Though his encounters with Cena may not have been as memorable as Mr. T's WrestleMania moment. Federline seemed to relish the jeers that he generated playing heel man. The, it just keeps on and on. I got a bunch of more clips here, but the idea is mainstream's picking up on this and I got to think, and I'm not saying this to be weird, probably didn't cost a lot of money. No, not a lot. And he was, again, he was in it for fun. He was in it for the exposure yep. and it was Federline looked at it exactly the same way we were looking at it, that this is going to generate a lot of media and this is going to get people talking about my album. This is going to get people talking about me and I get to live a dream. Evolution even compared it to Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler. Uh, they would wrap up their article saying Federline's wrestling skills left a lot to be desired, but his innate ability to play a heel showed a natural skill for the performance art of professional wrestling. Quite possibly Federline has found his calling. I mean, listen, there's, that's a bit of a stretch. Maybe he found his calling, but my goodness, he did know how to play the heel, right? Well, again, you and I had this discussion the other day about how you, you always, whenever you meet, uh, people in real life, usually from wrestling, usually the 
nastiest of heels are usually the nicest guys in real life. Right. And the babyest of baby faces are usually the most assholian of assholes that you meet in life. Motherfuckers. And Kevin Federline is, is a perfect example of this, of what he put out to people publicly was this cocky, arrogant kid and, and a heel when you could sit there and talk to him and pretty much, man, everybody that sat there and talked to him came back like shit. He's, he's just a kid. He's a real, he's a real guy and he loves being here. Right. So it wasn't like, you know, you're, you're looking for this cocky, arrogant asshole to tell you how great he is. And you know, that, uh, Oh my God, there was a green M and M in my dressing room. And he went down and ate in catering, had all the shit in his, is in his own dressing room, but he wanted to eat with everybody else. He was cool. Right. Um, he was a really nice, just a nice guy that I, I kind of wondered a little bit as to how in the fuck does this guy survive in, in the music industry and, and everything else that he's dealing with because he is so kind of low key and, and easygoing. Well, the answer is he didn't. That that was the answer. Uh, <laughs> take oh. it back. <laughs> I love you. You're like, okay, that's a great point, but you're not supposed to fucking spike on me on my own goddamn show. Edit that out right now. You do it now. <laughs> yeah, get it the fuck out, comrade. <laughs> or someone tell about that time that. No, 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 no. All right, let's get to the event itself. Kevin Federline with Johnny Nitro in his corner beats WWE champion John Cena in six minutes. Of course, it's a non title match. It would have been hilarious if he was champ for a minute. Um, Wade would write, they protected well, Federline. He had racked up enough uh, points in the championship committee system to be able to garner him a championship match at that point in time, especially with the new year and the way that everything works, you know, with from year to year and how your, your, um, it resets in January, right? Yeah. That's a stupid. Okay. Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, so can you imagine for a minute, just for a moment, if there was like a committee in the WWE, like there used to be in the NWA and everybody had to get together and agree on who was going to be the new champion, would you guys ever get anything accomplished? (laughs) <laughs> like they did. I'm just saying yeah, that's, that's, that's the, yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's the best part. And then, and then when you hear about like, as a kid, I'm thinking that these, these NWA conventions are this, this incredible mythical world and sure. Shit. And then I hear from people who were there and, and it's like, yeah, it's just different, different is the best thing I can say about it. Mm-hmm. Did, did you go to one? Never. No, God, no. I would love to have. I, but by the time, you know, that I really got into, um, like when I was actually of age that I could have, I mean, shit, it was, I don't even think they existed really anymore. Yeah. It was the Crockett show. Hey, it's been seven or eight years since I've been in Vince's office. That's a weird sentence to say. Does he still have that? framed picture in his conference room of that NWA meeting. Um, there's, there's one it's somewhere in there. Yeah. I think didn't Mike Graham give that to him at the hall of fame. I don't know. I just, I've always been fascinated by that picture and I think it's so cool. that Vince still has it. 
let's move on. Uh, the, the match itself here, how, how much went into this? What do you remember about him working out the match? Is this something where they would have gotten together in a warehouse somewhere and, and gone over this for a few weeks to get it down pat? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> they kind of worked it out that day. Really? Yeah. I mean, somebody had to be working with him. All right. Here's how you fall, right? Here's how you take a flat back or whatever the shit, right? I think Michael Hayes worked on most of this, but yeah, there were people, you know, showing him what to do and what have you, but, uh, you keep bringing up Michael Hayes. Was Michael Hayes just enamored to be working with a recording musician? Like he's in the music business. This is what we got something in common. Dig, dig, dig. Hey, you don't hear the boys back in town. My rendition. Baby's got her blue jeans on. Baddest street in the whole USA. Wow, wow. Bad street, nasty and hot. The further down that block you went, the better it got. Do, 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 do. See, you guys think that I make that shit up. It's actually in his song. Does he Bad get- street, Atlanta, GA. Do, do. Baddest street in the whole USA. Do, 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 do. Writes itself. Does he, uh, does he ever hum that around you in the office or something? Well, I guess oh, he's never in the office, but that shows. Yeah. But I, yeah, definitely I do. What was the last time Michael Hayes was at the office? Did, did it happen this calendar year? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Not since I've been back, no. I just imagine there's like a photo behind the receptionist desk. Don't let this man in. Tell him to call in. Don't let him in. Well, the, here's here's the funny thing. Until I got there, oh, and I'm I'm giving myself away, and I shouldn't say this, but okay, um, you always catch me on one thing. But th- there is like he had like this cubicle and shit where like no one was allowed to touch anything on it. Okay. And so then I had it all moved. <laughs> I said, "Box the shit up, have it move, please." Um, I still don't think he realizes that, but yeah, and that he, was a year and a half I, ago. I think his mind that where he where was that nothing has been touched. It's exactly as I left it. 2016. My goddamn toothpick I was using last time I was here. <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm gonna fuck somebody up. I had it softened right to the right spot where I could go in and I could get my 14th molar. I worked on that. Son of a bitch. I'm going to fuck somebody up. Let's talk about the match. They protected Federline from doing anything that would get him hurt or look completely foolish. His pre-match stalling worked to get the crowd hot to create a big fight atmosphere. It was smartly laid out half a star. Uh, he would continue the story by saying Kevin Federline beat John Cena to start the show, but Cena got the final word with another FU on Federline at the end of the show. The heavily promoted singles match between Federline and Cena was changed to a no DQ match by Federline before he walked to the ring. He then brought his trainer, Johnny Nitro to ringside for the match. Federline stalled for several minutes and added a mouthpiece, boxing gloves, and headgear to his ensemble for the match. Federline found himself in position for the FU after a few wrestling holds, but number one contender Umaga ran into the ring and attacked Cena. He laid him out with a title belt shot to the face. Then Federline draped an arm over Cena for the tainted win. Federline gloated backstage. And then the coach booked a four on one handicap with Umaga, Armando, 
Nitro and himself against Cena in the main event. I kind of like that. You start off with your, what you've promised. It feels like the main event, but you start with it and it builds to something else. Pretty good little creative here. What do you remember about this? Well, that was great creative because again, it got people hooked. And for those outsiders that are, that may be tuning in just to see what the hell are they going to do with Kevin Federline? And then hopefully you keep them for the rest of the show from there. And it was, you know, it's a different way of looking at it and different way to do it. So I think it was smart. Some people are going to tune out, but it hopefully got you wanting to stay tuned to see what more is going to come with John Cena. I love talking about our friend, Steven Singer. I'll tell you the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you might be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's not the case at Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. Next up, we've got a whole bunch of tag teams. Crime Time's going to team with the Highlanders to take on Cade and Murdoch and, of course, Benjamin and Haas. They only get four minutes, though. Uh, prior to the match, they showed members of the Miami Heat basketball team at ringside. Crime Time even walks over to Shaquille O'Neal and hugs him. Uh, they apparently stole his wallet, though, as Shaq looked for his wallet as he sat back down. At three minutes, chaos broke out in the match. It went into a battle royale style with wrestlers being cleared to the outside over the top rope. JTG interfered from the outside with a snapshot neck breaker on Murdoch, allowing Shad to make the cover for the win. Inconsequential match from the tag division, half a star. Crime time's getting a lot of screen, uh, a screen time in this period. I like the Miami heat thing. I thought the deal with Shaq was fucking awesome. What a big star he was. And it's nice to have him there and stealing the wallet thing. That was a nice little deal. What'd you think? I thought crime time was a lot of fun and pretty much everything they did because it was, it was just that it was fun and they made the most out of it. And it was something that you could always go out and play. Um, nine times out of 10, it was, Hey, what if we did this? What if we did that? You, some of the shit you wouldn't even think of that worked with them. And I just kind of wish that whatever that component was that wasn't there, you know, that it factor, um, something was just missing, but I love their gimmick. Do you, I mean, listen, in hindsight, I don't think anybody would do that gimmick today. Did you guys get any pushback about having like, uh, I don't know, young African-American performers portray this role. I, we may have, I, I don't really remember any. And I know that from the talent that they were, you know, a lot of the ideas came from them. Right. So it was 
okay, you know, this works. Let's go with it and let's try it. But uh, I don't really remember. I, I know when we did the, the Kramer thing, there was a little bit of a comment on it. But again, it, not anything that we said, holy shit, this is, this is terrible. Don't think it would work today. No, no by no. any stretch of the imagination. Let's talk about Shad for a minute. We lost Shad this past year as well. It feels like we've said that about way too many performers this past year. Do you have any memories of Shad that you could share with us that maybe we didn't touch on earlier this year? Um, <laughs> I, I, I tell you, um, uh, well, JTG, I think they both lived in Houston for a while. Um, but Shad was going on and I, and I really believe that had, uh, if Shad was still with us, that he would be on his way to being a big movie star. Shad had the look, Shad had the presence and he had the acting chops in that regard. But here's a funny story for you. Uh, I sat down with, with Shad at, was it Wale? It was somewhere that we sat down and we talked and bullshit and it went all, I mean, probably for a good 20 minutes before I realized who I was talking to. I didn't realize it was Shad. And I'm like, cause he had shaved and his head was shaved. He had well, trimmed down a in, lot. In fairness, you hadn't seen him at that, but this is 2017. Oh. You're talking about while I made Yeah. I hadn't seen him in, in nine years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there and it's like, this guy's all ripped up and everything. We're, we're just having, you know, the greatest conversation and all this shit. And then he hit me with the, Hey, you remember the time that we did this? And I was like, I just met you. And then as he start and I let him talk. Cause now I realize, Oh okay, fuck. I don't, I, I don't know who the fuck I'm talking to here. Right. And, uh, and he went and I looked at him and went, Shat motherfucker, <laughs> you know? Um, but just a great, just a great, great guy. And again, he was one of those, one of those guys that he was busting his ass out in Hollywood and seemed like he was really going to hit. I, I love that your ass is thinking, okay, he's at Wally mania. So he might be a rapper. I don't know who it is, but Conrad will tell me after. <laughs> no, and actually now I think it was, it was actually at a show somewhere, uh, and, and it was, it was like I, Booker and I were there and, okay. and he, was, he was talking to Booker and then we sat down and talked, but we'd been talking for like 15, 20 minutes before it clicked before he, he gave, he hit me with one of those, Hey, you remember the time that we, and I was yeah. like, oh, wait a minute, I know this dude, but it was, I mean, when we started talking, it felt like we had known each other forever too. I just had no idea who the fuck I was talking to. It's kind of like my brother one time, uh, in California had a conversation with Gary Busey for about 15 minutes Yeah. before he realized it was, Oh, wait a minute. You're not Nick Nolte. Oh God. True story. Yeah. Did he say that out loud? Well, he <laughs> might've, might've called him Nick or something like that. But then he realized like, it, and this was after Gary's accident, motorcycle accident. So Gary wasn't all there. And, uh, yeah. And so then I watched a Nick Nolte movie the other night and I thought about that and I said, okay, I get it. I can see that. That's an easy, that's an easy mistake. 
He's one of the great. Yeah. Gary Busey is one of the great villains, movie villains ah, of all fuck time. Yeah. Uh, we also haven't spent a ton of time talking about Charlie Haas. He's a part of this tag match. I just saw a video of him pop up the other day. Uh, he's still hanging around pro wrestling. What can you tell us about Charlie Haas? Charlie and his brother, Russ Haas or, uh, Gerald Briscoe, uh, finds they were from, uh, from Texas, from Houston. Uh, Briscoe will claim them from Oklahoma, but their home was in Houston and we love, we lost Russ way, way too soon. Um, but Charlie was, was one of those guys, tremendous amateur background, went to Seton hall, uh, just a fun guy and really wanted it bad. Um, just again, it's just one of those, those it factors that when you look at all of that and, and maybe, uh, pairing him with somebody that had the charisma of a Kurt angle, that kind of <laughs> in comparison a little tough for him, but Charlie was another guy. Tremendous, tremendous guy. What about the Highlanders? I know we briefly touched on them once before we talked about how, uh, one of the fellows appeared accidentally on a TNA show. They show him on camera, cost him his gig. Uh, I think he was even quoted as saying I was unhappy and maybe this was my subconscious way of getting myself fired, but it feels like they're only here for a cup of coffee. But when they come out with their look, I just think, boy, this is Vince's dream here. What can you tell us about the Highlanders? Well, I'll tell you how the Highlanders got, uh, basically got hired is because they came to their tryouts and they came around and they were, they always wore kilts and they always basically what you saw is what you got. That was no gimmick. That was who they were. And Vince absolutely loved that. Everybody loved that. William Regal was one of the guys that came up and said, look, this is who they are. Um, we should do something with them and try them. And because of their dedication to always wearing the kilts, no matter where they were, what they were doing and everything along that line, that is what got them hired in the first place. Let's talk about the next match. We've got the intercontinental champion, Jeff Hardy beating Rob Conway in 20 seconds. That's a non-title match. Jeff Hardy comes out unannounced for a match. Rob Conway suddenly walks out and says he's turning the page over and starting 2007 by winning. He said he would beat Hardy or quit raw after Conway enters the ring with confidence. Hardly Hardy quickly caught him in the corner with a sunset flip for the pin. Conway was shocked, but his shock turned into polite applause. When Vince McMahon made a surprise appearance and approached Conway in the ring, McMahon said his new year's resolution is to stop being nice and stop letting people take advantage of him. And he said, Donald Trump stole a certain catchphrase of his, but he recognizes that Trump has his own problems with Rosie O'Donnell, who he called Yokozuna when they flashed a not so flattering picture of her on the Titan Tron. He then looked at Conway and said, I'm not going to let you quit Rob Conway. You're fired struts away quarter star. what do you think of this segment? Um, was what it was, um, uh, kind of filler more than anything. And it's, you know, Rob Conway and wanting to do, you know, the Conway. Um, I think I was accused early on of not believing in it. And, and that's, that's an accurate accusation. I, I didn't believe in it, but I, and that's not fair. It wasn't that I didn't believe in the gimmick. I didn't believe in the way that Rob wanted to present the gimmick. And, uh, so we let him do it. 
do it his way and uh, go try it. So that's what happened, and we let him try it, and I don't think it worked. Well, obviously it didn't work. But um, nice little start, you know, Rosie O'Donnell um, and, and the Donald having their little feud at the time was, was topical. And so might as well jump on that as well. In hindsight, not really cool to, uh, poke fun at Rosie like this, but she probably didn't have the best relationship with wrestling anyway. Right. Rosie didn't have a good relationship with a lot of people and just in general. So, uh, other than die hard Rosieites, I don't think that that many people were offended, but no, it wouldn't be. Wouldn't be a good thing to do. No. So even though he's a uh, quote unquote, kayfabe fired here, he, he leaves the cut Rob Conway. That is, he winds up getting released on may 11th of the same year. Why didn't this hit? I mean, Rob Conway had the look, uh, his work was okay. What, what was it about him that just didn't click for Vince? My, my point of view and only my point of view is that he didn't listen. Didn't want to listen. Rob would come in with all the answers and if anyone had an idea to, to help him or to tweak things, Rob had, was very headstrong, hell of a talent, great look, hell of a talent, but a uh, little bullheaded. You think, um, you think there's a chance that he could be a contributor in another area or do you think his wrestling days are probably approaching the sunset. I have no idea what he's doing now. And again, it's a super nice guy and a super talented guy. It's just sometimes when you have an idea in your head of what something should be, and you're going to do it your way, come hell or high water. That's where we got stuck with Rob. He's still wrestling, but I've heard from other people who think that he might be a good, like creative guy, but I've never, I don't think I've ever met Rob. So I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I I don't know anything about that creative side of him at all. At all. Let's talk about uh, the top of the second hour here on Raw. Triple H and Shawn Michaels walk out to discuss Team RKO's beating on him two weeks ago. Uh, Shawn interrupts Hunter's Michael Buffer intro and said he can't go on without acknowledging what Orton and Edge did to them. He then does a weird shoot promo that killed the crowd, according to the Torch. He said they faced everyone. Put in front of them, quote, good, bad, talented, no talent. The ones I like best are the futures of WWE or the stars of tomorrow. My favorite of all time is the greatest in-ring performer of his generation. I'm still waiting to face that guy. And then Sean said, all these guys are either no longer in WWE or they're jerking the curtain someplace while DX stands the test of time. He addressed team RKO and said they showed they have a set, you know, of balls. But at the pay-per-view DX would shove their set down their throats. Hunter took the mic and grabbed the audience after saying he was disappointed because he expected a fight, but Orton and edge didn't show up quote double yeast infection is what I heard. And then he said, DX is like frosted mini weights. They have a sweet side that's entertaining and fun. But then there's the other side, the side where the two most ruthless bastards to ever step foot in the ringside or inside this ring live edge and Orton. Welcome to the other side. We're going to beat your ass on Sunday. We're going to tear your flesh. We're going to break your bones. We're going to make you bleed. We're going to leave you lying in a broken, twisted, bloody heap in the middle of this ring. And he's screaming this into the camera and then throws down the mic. The 
intensity and passion for the pay-per-view hard sale is here, but this promo's kind of weird, especially when you see Sean, uh, Hey, I beat all these no talents who were supposed to be the future of the business. what do you think of this? I thought it was a hell of a promo. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was an excellent promo, especially as you're building up to edge and Randy Orton, but people like to choose and, and go in a different direction and go to the negative. The whole promo was about Randy and edge who were all, who were touted as these are the guys of everything that Sean said. And they're being touted as, Oh, Hey, here's the next guy. Here's this, here's that. And everything. And it was, it was all about them. And basically saying that the others that were like that were gone. And that's exactly what would happen to edge and Randy. So I thought it was an excellent promo on both sides. If you got it, you take it one way. And if you didn't, you take it the other way. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Let's uh, let's talk about the next match. We've got Melina beating Maria in three minutes. The match was set up earlier in the show when Maria tried to interview Federline after he beat Cena. Uh, he's doing a little post-match celebration with several ladies. And Melina cuts Maria off and slaps her very hard across the face, calling her a bitch. And then Victoria Joan joins Ross and Lawler on commentary and hence that she's going to be adding a new name to her checklist. what do you think of this match? I take a letter, Maria, but address it to my wife. Dun, 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 dun. Say I won't be coming home. Dun, dun, dun. I'm in a singing mood today. I mean, what, what can I say? It was there. That's about all you can say about it at this point. Nothing great. Nothing bad. I love you. It's, uh, it's a little weird. We got a lot of ladies involved here. Victoria's going to suddenly grab Lillian Garcia. She's going to set up Lillian for the widow's peak. The women's champion, Mickey James hits the ring and tries to prevent the move. Mickey chases Victoria from the ring to set up their title match. Uh, Wade would say it was a sloppy, not good match star in a quarter, but you do have good talent here. I mean, Mickey and Victoria are great wrestlers. And then Maria and Melina, well, they're trying to be, uh, this is growing. God, it was a story. It was God, God. It wasn't meant to be a fucking 87,000 star match in the Tokyo dome. You all right. I'm fucking great. Take a letter, Maria, but address it to my wife. Say I won't be coming home. I'm going to start a new life. That's a good one, right? That's an oldie, but a goodie, right? Huh? Yes. 
Hot wax dripping, honey. What do you say? You okay? I'm great. Next up, we get Kenny Dykstra and Chris Masters teaming up to beat Ric Flair and Carlito in 11 minutes. And prior to the match, Kenny said he would add Flair's career to his death list after James Brown, President Gerald Ford, and Saddam Hussein. The heels isolated Carlito for several minutes after a mid-match commercial. And Masters put Carlito in the master lock, but Flair breaks it up with a chop block out of nowhere. Carlito manages to tag in Flair a few seconds later, and Flair punches away at Dykstra and then sets up the figure four. Of course, Masters interferes, and then Carlito's brawling with Masters to the back. And Kenny goes for the figure four, but Flair kicks him off. Ken then surprises Flair with a pin using the ropes for leverage, and he beats Flair again. And afterward, Flair demands that Kenny returns to the ring and and do the fight the right way. Suddenly, Edge appears on the apron and distracts Flair, allowing Randy Orton to hit the RKO from behind. Edge gives Flair the concerto, and DX didn't make the save. Ross said he was informed that DX left the building after their promo at the top of the second hour because they didn't think Edge and Orton were in the building. Star and a half. Nice little story here. You know, Ric Flair is, of course, the apple of DX's eye, their wrestling hero, and here's RKO to take him out. I kind of dug this for what it was. What'd you think? Oh, it was a nice and simple story. And, you know, when you, you look at some of the talent in this, Masters we've talked about on several occasions. But, you know, Kenny Dykstra, I think, was a guy that had a shitload of talent and got into the business at a very young age. He was 19 years old, and everybody was dubbing him the second coming. But I don't know that maturity, I think he hadn't yet matured to be able to understand how to put all of his tools together. Um and I think he could have been a huge star had we waited a little while and allowed him to mature before ever bringing him up. Um, but yeah, the story was great. And anytime you get Randy Orton and edge out there, it's a good day. Here we go. Umaga, Armando, the coach and Johnny Nitro beat the WWE champion by DQ in six minutes. Wade would say quick, effective, and what it needed to be selling a pay-per-view with some good crowd reactions at the end for Cena's FU on Nitro and then Federline. He gave it a star and a half. And he says, prior to the main event match, Federline reappeared and gloated about his victory. He then joined JR and Lawler on commentary. After the heels walked out, Cena walked straight to the ring and went after Umaga. Cena fought off the attacks from all sides, then gave the Nitro, uh, Nitro the FU, set up Umaga for the FU, but of course... Armando distracted him with a chair. Cena retrieves the chair, smashes it over Umaga's head. And there's your DQ. Uh, but then he hits Umaga a second time and he falls backwards out of the ring. So he bolts to the outside and grabs Federline. He tosses him in the ring, gives him the FU and the crowd is so delighted. Uh, Cena starts staring down Umaga and Armando as they retreat up the entrance ramp. Ross is hammering home the key points to the Cena Umaga feud. Of course it's happening at the new year's revolution pay-per-view in just six days. What'd you think, man? Is this going to make you want to buy the pay-per-view? I kind of dug it for what it was. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree because I think they want Cena to get finally get his comeuppance and actually a victory and a clean victory versus all the times that he's been kind of stutter stepped along the way from disqualifications, the whole fetter line embarrassment and everything else. So I thought it told a hell of a story to get us where we wanted to go. 
of course, new year's revolution. This is the go home show for that. And it's a different show for a different day, but that is the event where triple H re-injures his quad and winds up being out of action for months. It forced the WWE to move Shawn Michaels into the main event with John Cena. And before those plans could be set, Cena defeated Umaga at the new year's event for his, his first pinfall loss. Is there any chance you would have saved Umaga until mania for Cena? Had you known Hunter was going to be out? God damn. If I was Umaga, I'd much rather been in the position I was in. Right. He was in, in the whole damn battle of the billionaires. So if I was Umaga, I'd be pissed if they wanted to put me in with Cena at that point. I thought Umaga was in the right spot. Whether you own or rent, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to geico.com today. Man, remember when waking up on the weekend and watching a little wrestling challenge or some superstars? Man, that got me going. Made my weekend. And it was always accompanied with a big bowl of sugary cereal. And then, of course, you grow up and, well, things change. Wrestling's not on on Saturday mornings anymore. And I'm no longer living for big bowls of sugary cereal on the weekend. But listen, we're all kids at heart, right? I'm trying to find a way to, you know, keep it going. I'm having fun. I'm a kid at heart. I like talking about wrestling and I still like cereal. But now I found a solution with magic spoon that gets me zero sugar. How about that? Can you imagine a cereal that tastes great? That has zero sugar. Magic spoon has done it. That's not all they've done. They've also managed to fit 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. How's that even possible? You can get 11 grams of protein, but only three net grams of carbs. It's wild. Even crazier though, is the big variety that they've got. You can get cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. It's all in their variety pack. Each one tastes amazing. Honestly, they're too good to be true. I have to admit, I started rocking the blueberry. Now I think I'm in love with the fruity, but in my house, there's something for everybody with this variety pack. And you no longer have to worry about, you know, your favorite meal of the day or the most important meal of the day, well, you don't have to feel like it's a, a sentence. You can actually enjoy it with magic spoon. You're like a kid again. Don't take my word for it. Try it right now for yourself over at magicspoon.com forward slash wrestle. I recommend you grab the variety pack and just try it today and be sure to use our promo code wrestle at checkout to get free shipping. By the way, magic spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed by a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash wrestle and use the promo code wrestle for free shipping. And we thank magic spoon for sponsoring the podcast and our fun breakfast. That's magicspoon.com forward slash wrestle. Use that promo code wrestle. You'll be glad you did. I mean, but did, would you have, I'm not saying what Umaga have wanted to be there. I'm asking if you would have known, Hey, Hunter's out. Do you think you would have tried something different there? Uh, no, because I think Vince needed, I think that Vince needed that kind of maniacal, crazy, uh, Umaga for the story with Trump. I think it made sense. And, and it, and it was one of those that Umaga was hot. He was red hot. And the biggest story at that pay-per-view was without a doubt, the battle of the billionaires. Overall. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs on the middle on uh, K-Fed on Raw. Oh, K-Fed in general, double thumbs up. Um, I thought the Raw was, it was good. I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest Raw ever, but it was damn good. And K-Fed, 
uh, overall, I thought was a huge positive and did an excellent job. And for all the haters out there that you've only heard his music and all that other shit, it's never met him, never done anything like that. Then, you know, you, you just don't know the guy behind it. And I don't know that he spent enough time with other people backstage for anyone to really be able to garner an opinion as far as how Kevin was those that got to work with him and be around him. He was a nice, nice young man. And, uh, when I would read the shit that would be on the TMZs of the world, and all this other shit, and we go, how can this be the same guy? And I, I got how it could be the same guy. And I got how that different, uh, shit can be written because the same shit's written, about wrestling and gossip mongers and things like that. And I think that they took that and Kevin used that to his advantage. Kevin used that as much as he could to, to parlay his fame and his 15 minutes of fame. But I do know, you know, the guy was all about his kids and shit. And, um, it, it was what it was. He was really, really easy to work with. And I thought he was a good guy. Toy yo, yo, yo thing on me, baby. Toy yo, yo thing on me. Oh. I love in Portuguese, it means bring your ass on the floor and move it real fast. I want to see a kitty with a little bit of titty. Oh, want to know where I go when I'm in the city? Not really. Man of the nineties wants to know, was there hope that you could get Brittany involved prior to the separation? Of course, we know Michael Hayes liked that idea. Did you think there was ever a chance that you guys were going to be able to pull that off? Yes. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, there was hope. And the hope was, was, was there a real chance of it? No, but there was real hope. And I, and I want to say when we started this whole thing with Federline, they weren't separated, nor was there talk of them being separated. Let me ask once upon a time, it was said, well, you know, that's the reason they, they wanted uh, a tonga around because they wanted Jennifer Hudson to sing the national anthem at WrestleMania. Lots of people have speculated that over the years. Was that sort of the idea for Brittany that maybe we could just get her to sing the national anthem at WrestleMania? Uh, I mean, that definitely could have been a possibility, but we were thinking of Brittany for bigger things. If, if you would have had Brittany, but there was never any real serious talk of using Brittany, nor was there ever any promise or anything that, Hey, this could, maybe down the line, we could do something with Brittany. That was never discussed with them. But uh, as far as the Otunga thing, you know, some people might have said, Lithium, he's mad too. Jennifer Hudson, so a special project, if you will, babies. Oh, that was and, Dusty thought that was a, oh, a yeah, possibility. Oh, yeah, Dusty, Dusty loved the Jennifer Hudson stuff. But Otunga, and he's here's another guy that um, I think that when people, I know from my, I'll give you my point of view only was man Otunga I'd heard all these things and I had actually talked to Dusty about him before and I thought eh man you know Otunga is one of the smartest people and I haven't even had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him but man you talk about a smart dude and a really super super fucking nice guy um that works his ass off and Smart beyond compare. So I think Otunga gets a, gets a bad rap just because of that too. I'm glad you said that because all I've ever heard is, is what a great guy he was. And yeah, super the, guy. The idea that people drill down his, his, well, he's only here because I just never thought it was fair. 
No, had a work ethic that was unbelievable and uh, very intelligent and smart, but but just a genuinely nice guy for every interaction I've ever had with him. And, uh, you know, shit, we, used to, we saw him out a couple times, you know, when we were doing shows and shit and, and couldn't have been nicer. Well, I got to ask more about Shaq. I grew up a huge Shaq Mark. Luke asks, any good Shaq stories? He was at ringside with his champion Miami Heat team, and he also made an appearance backstage on Raw in 98, being leered at by Vince for not having a backstage pass. Is he as cool as he seems? Yeah, Shaq was always a super nice guy. Uh, and, and he would, like uh, in 98, that was in Houston, and Shaq was just coming to hang around <laughs> and to watch. He was a big fan. Um, couldn't have been nicer and always professional, but there were tons of times that Shaq would just come and come to watch the matches and come to hang out. Let's talk about, uh, another question here. This one's from Ray and he wants to know, was there anyone, anyone in creative who thought using Kevin Federline was dumb? Uh, I'm sure there may have been someone, but I would say those are people that were very short sighted and didn't understand the idea of promotion. Okay. Uh, John, uh, didn't like the show. He says, what was the payoff in having Kevin beat John Cena? It made Cena look weak and nobody cares about Kevin. It just made me change the channel and it completely took me out of the moment. New year's revolution. When John got his victory back on Umaga to answer your payoff question. We got a very poorly written question here from Dallas sooner. I'm going to try to chop up here for you. The idea is, I think the gist of his question is, does it mean, is it a sign that creative is bad when you're using a borderline celebrity and they're beating your champion? Okay. Well, first of all, I don't think it's ever bad to have outside talent involved in your product, uh, regardless of what some people think are what was the line he used, uh, borderline, whatever the hell borderline celebrities uh, were. Well, Kevin Federline was a bonafide celebrity and anyone that is celebrity is celebrity. You can have an A list. You can have a B list. You have C list. Sometimes a D list celebrity will get you more publicity than an A list celebrity guy. will. I think, so the, I think uh, anytime you can get outside in is good. And in, in this situation, yes, it, it definitely helps the product. And the only way that you're going to grow and sometimes get people from the outside to recognize you is if you bring people from the outside in that they may recognize and then start to watch your product. You have to grow. But the idea of them being in the ring versus just on the outside or making a match or cutting a promo, you're good with it? Or is there such a thing as too much of the good stuff? I think it depends on the talent it depends on the celebrity and what they're capable of doing And the absurdity of Kevin Federline and John Cena having a match is what made that work. It, it was absurd. It's like, how in the fuck are you going to do that? But then to be able to take that and use that to promote to Umaga and John Cena is exactly what we were looking to do. And that's exactly what it did. Uh, next up, Dustin says, uh, any consideration to approving JR's request of a night off so he could see Boise state beat Oklahoma with the statue of Liberty play in the Fiesta bowl, or was it always going to be a hard? No, 
I didn't do JR's uh, calendar or he didn't didn't work under me, so I have no idea. Uh, this is from Dustin. Or I'm sorry, from U- Umar Khan. He says, why didn't Kevin Federline ever return to WWE? Reports always said that he was very popular backstage. I think the gist is, if you guys liked him, why didn't you do more business with him? Probably timing, and uh, I don't know that there was ever any other time. You know, Kevin's album was coming out then. It worked for everybody. So I don't know there was another opportunity really to do that. And everybody did seem to like Kevin backstage. Uh, Jomo says on this episode of raw and a few other times during this period, Vince ditched his tailored suits for these flowing, more casual Hawaiian shirts. What's up with that? Tommy Bahama, baby. But come on now. Listen, that's some, that's some Tony Schiavone shit. When did, when, how? uh, Bullshit, please. Tony's isn't tailored. Tony's isn't, it doesn't have a manicure. Um, come on. (laughs) No, not a fucking chance. Tony wears his pajamas on TV. He does. Okay. Here, here's my question though. This is Mr. Suited and booted. We've always seen him in suits for as long as I remember. And now he's not, this had to take you, this had to catch you off guard. Like wh- who the fuck is this? Where's Vince? What are you doing? Right. No, I loved it. Cause that meant we could all relax our dress code too. I know you loved it. What caused it? What created it? Did he say, God damn, we got to loosen things up around here. You know, I just think it was a different, it was, you know, that different style phase more than anything. My point is if someone walked into a meeting today at the office and they're decked out in these Hawaiian shits, would Vince not look at them like they had fucking turds in their mouth? Well, I think that after whatever the hell it was, um, I, it was probably later on this year, definitely with, with the Trump stuff that, you know, we all got back to tightening things up a little bit. Tremendous. Uh, Dick says, I think it's very fair to say that Kevin Federline was surprisingly entertaining as a guest celeb. Are there any other celebs that, uh, you never had on, but you thought would have been fantastic. Oh, there's tons. I, <laughs> you know, again, that's one of those that you sit there and go, well, shit. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a ton of celebrities. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but you can go down a list of celebrities and say, yeah, they could work. I think I could make anybody work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you could go through and, and, and look at celebrity and uh, I can make Ken Jong work. If I wanted to, um, but yeah, there were, there were people that you look at and go, oh my God, they'd be a blast to work with. But then maybe they wouldn't blah, blah, blah. wants to know without talking about numbers, how do contracts work when signing celebrities for long-term appearances with multiple bookings? Bruce, I just assume that's not like a one size fits all deal. It's Hey, can you help me promote this no. or that too? Right? Yeah. It depends on what, you know, who it benefits and, and how, and you work out, together what you want to do and, and everything's every one of them are different. Uh, P Diddy wants to know what was John's initial response when he found out Kevin was going over. Loved it. John. I mean, I think even before John knew, and it might've even been John's idea, but John was like, nobody gives a shit if I just go out and beat him up. Well, hopefully you guys gave a shit about a rather entertaining episode today. It's a look back at a moment in time. Uh, federal line is no more, but 
this, uh, this doesn't feel like it ever happened, but then it did. And I'm glad we got to talk about it today a little bit. We've got a lot planned for the next year. As you and I are recording this, it's still technically, uh, 2020 as a reminder, you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. But Bruce, I'm ready for 2021. It can't get here soon enough. How about you? Whew. Yeah, I'm done with 2020. I'm absolutely done. I am so ready for a new year and I want to put 2020 behind us and, and move on. It's got to be better. Let's, uh, let's also mention that we've got a lot of fun episodes planned for you in the new year later this month. In fact, next week, we're going to be back with the bushwhackers. What do you think we might talk about next week, Bruce? Yeah. Hey, you know, I've got, uh, just a long history and we got to talk about the very first time that I ever met Butch and Luke in Houston, Texas, uh, at the summit and the advice that Luke Williams gave me on that evening and how, how well I took that advice. Uh, I love Matt. I worked with Luke and Butch when they were the sheep herders in mid South, great times. And when we brought them up to, uh, the WWE got to do all those vignettes with Luke and Butch, um, just wonderful, wonderful memories of two super, super fucking guys. I, uh, I can't wait to talk about the bushwhackers and I'm looking forward to the 15th. When we talk about Shane McMahon, now uh, that's going to be on his birthday, which should be fun. And then we'll wrap up the month with two back-to-back Royal rumbles. We're going to hit you with Royal rumble 96 and Royal rumble 2006. And if we can, we're going to try to squeeze in a bonus episode, the raw bowl from 1996. People have requested this for a long time. We got a lot of fun stuff planned in January, dude. Can't wait. Can't wait until next time. We just want to fucking, uh, say in Portuguese, bring your ass on the floor and make it real fast. I want to see a kitty with a little bit of titty. Want to know where I go when I'm in the city. I love you. I mean, I love you too. Should we play it out? I mean, do you want to just do it? It feels like you're having a good time. No, no, I'm good. Uh-uh. Oh yeah. I do it better without music. You know me. Like I fucking it's like goddamn spend my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow so i can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight you know my baby's got me wrapped around her little finger and you know that i will walk through hell and back to be with her because i can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight see i sing that better when i'm doing it myself and i'm setting my own tempo versus that bullshit with the music and everything that we had to play that one time we did it with jeff jarrett he had to have the music and the music fucked me up because they, they did it wrong. Am I right? I don't know, man. I'm just tickled. Anytime you start making an ass of yourself here and start singing. And I appreciate you. I'm a good goddamn singer. You got it. That's fucking good shit right there. Okay. I mean, it is what shit. You mean? I'm a good goddamn singer. 
You don't have to get hot. Take a little Maria, dress it to my wife. Dun, 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 dun. Say I won't be coming home. Dun, 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 dun. I'm going to start a new life. Dun, 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 dun. Now feels like a good time to remind everybody you actually sang a song at my rehearsal dinner for my wedding. Which one was that? What song did I sing? I'm your mailman. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, with my mom and everybody right there. Yeah, they were there. Everybody was. Bruce, this they was loved it. this was fun. Rick Flair was happy that there was someone there that like took the heat off of him for doing something embarrassing. Yeah, so then he tried to order Cristal for every table, and I had to try to get him to stop doing that. We had Cristal there. Uh, he tried. I mean, but we're in Huntsville. How many bottles do you think there are in any given restaurant? Maybe one. Did we get any? Yeah. How come I didn't get any? You were at the kitty table. That's bullshit, man. Did they not send that apple juice over there? I don't know. I don't, I don't fuck. I don't know. I was with Silva and he was dancing. Let, well, I mean, you know who you weren't sitting with? Who? Tony Schiavone. He no-showed. Oh, yeah. That's right. Can you believe that? I was there. Help turn that motherfucker's life around. He can't even be bothered to come to my wedding. Oh, he's a big shot. He gives me all the credit in the world now. And I was like, all I wanted was for you to come to my wedding. I came to your wedding. Yes, you did. I did. Well, boys and girls, we, uh, we've bullshitted enough. Bruce is in a good mood today. I feel like I should try to pin him down and tape the bushwhackers today. Cause Lord knows it's going to be, I won't be able to catch him with both hands next week, but I'll do it Saturday. I'm in. Let's do right. it. I'll see you okay. Saturday. Bushwhackers right. are going to be on time next week. Boys and girls don't miss it right here. On something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. Rock on and happy new year. By the way, the best way to introduce something to wrestle to the wrestling fan in your life is to send them to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle. Do us a favor. Go hit that subscribe button right now. You'll get a sneak peek of upcoming episodes. Lots of fun clips to show your friends. And maybe best of all, we have a ton of new giveaways headed your way over at youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle. Plus we've got a ton of new gimmicks up at boxofgimmicks.com. For instance, we've got a lot of Dave Silva's cover arts on posters. There's lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the ad free show community. Check them out right now at boxofgimmicks.com. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button over at youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle. There's no better time to say, I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate Steven singer. And you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step. Well, Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. And don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he recently kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. 
gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to, I hate Steven singer.com fast, free and safe shipping. It's Steven singer jewelers. That's I hate Steven singer.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.